0: good to be with you again and continuing in this series who enjoys the family making family fun Um, the context of this I believe is that uh, you've had a couple of weeks which uh, in some ways may have been a little austere I don't know Um, a little bit down the line with the teaching well I hope it has been down the line and you think wow that feels a bit like a straitjacket Can we really enjoy the family? Can we make it fun? And so I've been asked this week to speak on this subject of making family fun. And I must say, I have found it one of the most difficult messages to put together. Not that my family is not fun. Well, I hope you need to ask the children and the wife that. But um, I'll explain why I've perhaps found it difficult as we go on. Uh, Let's start. Uh, with a short video, I hope the sound is up okay, are we right on the sound for, for this, um, from a classic family that's seen very often by thousands of people, The Simpsons. Um, this is a very early clip, you'll see that by the quality of the uh, the video, um, and please forgive me for the, what it's... Um, The language in the first few sentences, you'll see what it is. Uh, I realise it's there. I could have tried to dub it out, but but I'll probably make it even worse. So uh, forgive me for that, but uh, just see the sense of what we're about to see. Family therapy? What the hell is this? You said we were going out for frosty chocolate milkshakes. Well, I lied. Uh, Simpsons? Welcome. So what brings you to family therapy? Well, Doc, it's like this. They're all driving well, me crazy. I don't know what mm-hmm. like to we do. I saw as an orphan. Lisa! Oh, boy. Mince. Go ahead. Take one. We never yeah. laugh anymore, Doc. You can say that again. When Homer's right, he's right. For once, the old man's correct a it. Shut up! I'm sensing some deep-seated hostility here. Why don't we all take a deep, cleansing breath? <sighs> don't you think you've had enough mints, son? I ain't leaving till that bowl's empty. Put those bits back, boy. Ew! Lord, you little slob! You ruined the whole bowl! Don't talk to my brother like that, you big old! Why, you little borderline psychotic! No one talks to my daughter like that? Oh, yeah? Now you're gonna bully me like you bully your kids? We don't like you, sir. Mm. Leave this office, please. I'm not going to try and get anything too spiritual out of that at all. Just a light start. Um, Happy families. Is it possible? Is it more than just a card game? Um, The pressure on the family to be perfect is sometimes so intense that the idea of uh, having any fun from it is sometimes very difficult. Um, Is it really possible to have a happy family all of the time? Um, I don't know how many of you know of Milton Jones. Milton Jones is a Christian comedian. He's uh, regularly on television and, and the radio. And I heard him being interviewed about the subject of comedy and humor some time ago. And he made an interesting observation, and I'm not sure if it's true, but I'll throw it out and see what you think. He says that all fun, all comedy, all humor is at the expense of somebody else. For example, take uh... the classic man slipping on a banana skin okay we laugh (laughs) the man gets hurt or he's at least embarrassed so is it possible to have fun within the family um, without somebody feeling put out or uh, on the sidelines Um, can parents thoroughly enjoy themselves and the kids be thoroughly bored or vice versa Can the children be enjoying themselves and the parents on a knife edge wondering what their children are getting up to? So is it really possible to have fun? What goes on behind closed doors? Is family to be enjoyed or just endured until at last the children fly the nest and the parents can go, "Ah, now we can get on with our life. Well, again... Like I said last week, there are plenty of books and advice and courses that you can go on that perhaps will try and help you to make more fun out of your family. Um, and if you want to see those, well, have a word with the elders here, and they'll, I'm sure, point you in a good direction. What I want to do this morning is break what I've got up into two sections. First of all, I want to have a look uh, very briefly and not in depth at a passage of scripture and get a few principles from that, some of which you've probably already covered, but as a bit of a basis for us then moving on to have a look at some practical ideas of how we can make family fun. So what I'd like us to do is turn to Ephesians, sorry, it's up there on the screen, isn't it? Yes, Ephesians in chapter 5, Ephesians in chapter 5 and verse 22 through to verse 4 of chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. The Bible tells us that God gives us richly all things to enjoy. All things. And of course that includes the family. And there is a sense, I believe, in which when we really start to make family something enjoyable, it is an act of worship to God. It is fulfilling something in God's plan that brings great glory to his name. And to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body. For this reason... A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, there's a whole lot there that we're not going into, but some big principle stuff, which hopefully will be a bit of a foundation for this second uh, section of what I want to say this morning. The first one is very clear there, that Christ is the head of and also an example to the family. He is the head of and also an example to the family. Now, do not get me wrong with what I'm about to say, because I believe that the way that we are put right with God is by grace through faith. And we've been thinking so much about grace this morning, and I found that tremendously moving and very useful, and I want to pinch some of those clips, please, Darren. All right. Uh, So I am thoroughly fundamental evangelical in my belief and understanding of how we are put right with God, and that Jesus Christ came to be our Savior. He is not an example that we follow to be put right with God. However, throughout Scripture to those who have been put right with God, Jesus Christ is cited as an example that we should follow. All right? And so in the area of the family and relationships within the family, how Jesus Christ acted and lived his life is an example of how we should act and live our life and how our relationships should work out. He's an example of submission, of love, of sacrifice, of godly leadership or headship, of how we should honor one another, how we should also discipline as well. So having Christ in the rightful position in the family is key to every aspect of family life. Also, how to have fun as well. And that's what these verses are telling us, that Christ should be at the very heart of family life. Yes, he is the head, but also he is an example of how we relate one to another. And you know those wristbands that are very popular these days that have WWJD written on them? And and young people, but sometimes older people. I was at a funeral the other day, and the the vicar was, was wearing one. What would Jesus do? The relationships within the family should ask that sort of question. What would Jesus do? As a child, as a husband, as a wife, as a grandfather, with somebody who has responsibilities within the family. We look to Jesus not only as our head, but also as an example of how we relate one to another. Another principle I think we can get from these verses, of one of individual value that every member of the family is important because these verses have something to say to husbands, to wives, to children and the relationship one to another. And remember this particularly was written into a culture where things were very different to what we know in our sophisticated 21st Western society. Where women were seen as mere chattel. The wives were just seen as auxiliaries to the family. And children didn't have a great deal of value until they got to a certain age and perhaps they could contribute a little bit more. Now you'd say, well, perhaps this isn't quite so uh, applicable these days in, in, in the West, in our society. But I'm just wondering whether the pendulum has swung uh, so far the other way. That phrase that I've used there, that every member of the family matters, will know that if you're in education, there's a certain phrase that is used a lot, every child matters. And we now live in a child-centric society, where there is so much emphasis put on the child, almost to the exclusion of anyone else in the family. Now, don't get me down that road at the moment, because I've got a year and a half's experience of things I'd like to say about this. But we seem to worship at the altar of the child these days, and that's the only member of the family that really matters. doesn't matter about the parents, doesn't matter about the grandparents, doesn't matter about the extended family. What we see from the word of God here is that not everybody is equal, and not everybody is the same, but everybody has value and matters to God. So there is individual value here. And then there's that strange bit, really highlighted in verse 32, where it talks about the husband and the wife coming together and becoming one flesh. And this is a profound mystery. At its best, the family unit can be an example of how God views us and treats us and his relationship with us. Now specifically, it's using the husband and the wife here. But the way that a family conducts itself, by what it does in private and in public, can be a demonstration, at its best, of how God deals with us. The family in its diversity, in its recognition of authority and subjection with humility and love should be a reflection of the character of God. In families, at its best, it can be a taste of heaven. This is what God intends with all the different people working together, recognizing each other's position in the family and honoring God. There is something there that is a reflection of what God intends between us and himself. Now, with those very broad principles and what you've been looking at over the past few weeks as well, I want to give you a a few tips on how to enjoy family life. And I need to put a number of riders here, sort of exclusions. I am not putting my family in front of you as the best example of what a family is should be. Um, We have made and continue to make lots of mistakes in our family. But after uh, 36 years of marriage and children who are now in their 30s, who have now got their own children, um, we are still together and we get on well and we enjoy spending time together. In fact, when I leave here, I'll be going home and the whole family will be around for uh, Sunday lunch three generations, and I must say, if there's one point in my life which I could freeze and just say, um, can we just pause here for some time, it would be the point just before we all sit down for the meal, when it's just been absolute chaos with the kids running around, my two daughters get together, they're both teachers, and so they'll be catching up on school, and the two sons-in-law will be together and they'll be catching up on football and other manly things. And uh, I'll be fending off the children and Angela will be getting the dinner ready and she'll say, right, time to sit up. There's just at that point when I just think, this is it. There's just something glorious about this moment. It will then degenerate into chaos again. And when the kids go at about 4 o'clock this afternoon, Andrew and I will sit down with the mess still there and we'll go, oh, we're glad that's over. Until next week or whenever they come round again. Um, I haven't got it perfect, but I thoroughly enjoy my family, and I think my family thoroughly enjoy the family as well. So this is why I've sort of hesitated and found this hard, because I'm not trying to put the Cooper family up as ideal here. Uh, In your uh, midweek study, I've given these points that I'm going to give to you, and uh, you might want to add to them. You might say, well, no, I don't consider that to be important. I, I, I think this. But here's a few examples of perhaps how you can make family fun in your situation. And let me say as well that although I've got an image there which I thought was quite a striking image and I liked it, um, I'm not saying that the family is mom, dad, and two children. Okay? We spoke last week about Uh, how that is uh, perhaps quite a modern concept of the family, and we can have extended family, we can have smaller family as well. You need to interpret what I'm to say uh, into your situation, and it will change as the family grows, um, as it grows uh, both in age and numerically as well. So here are some principles, hopefully, that uh, will help you when it comes to the whole business of making family fun. And the first one is to do with time. Time. I remember when my wife was expecting Kate, our first child, and I was still working in industry. And uh, I was doing my apprenticeship on the shop floor in what was called machine tool reconditioning. And I'd got a a guy who was perhaps about 10 years older than me who uh, I was apprenticed to for a few months. And uh, I told him that my wife was expecting, and we chatted about that. He'd got a family as well. And he said to me, he said, What do you think is the best thing, then, that you can give to your family? Now, I was, at that time, um, trying to take every opportunity to share something about my Christian faith. And so I thought, Oh, here's a great opportunity. So I waffled. I said, Oh, the best thing I could give my family, my children, is uh, I could pass on my faith in God to them. And I talked a little bit about how it was important to me and I wanted to make sure that my children came to know Jesus for themselves. And I could see his eyes sort of glazing over <laughs> at that point. He goes, oh, okay. He said, well, the best thing I think you can give to your children is your time. Now, that has stuck with me for over 30 years. I hope what I said to him has stuck with him <laughs> as well. Um, done? I, I, I don't know. But the best thing that you can give to your family, he said, is your time. Is your time. And as we live in this busy, crazy, accelerated world, I think that's even more true. Carving out those times to spend with our family. Sometimes on the macro level, planning family holidays and putting it in the diary. But also on the micro level as well. Those few minutes, perhaps in the evening before the kids go to bed, that you regularly spend some time with your children, without the telly, without the internet, perhaps with the phone off the hook. And so they know that that time is for them, or that time is for us as a family. Time. Carve it out. Ring-fence it. Give it the priority that you would give er anything else in your diary or however you arrange your schedule. It won't just happen. You have to make it happen. So give the family time. Second key word is consistency. Letting your yes be yes, your no be no. Fulfilling the promises that you make to your family. And carrying out the warnings, the threats, (laughs) that you on occasion need to make. Um, One area I know i failed is what in our family is now known as the Wendy House promise. I promised my children when they were about seven and nine that I would build them a Wendy house. And for various reasons, I never got round to it. And so when they got a bit more sophisticated in their thinking and got their father's sarcasm, which is another area we can go into, whenever I've said something, oh, we'll do that, they come back now and say, is that a Wendy House promise, Dad? And it's exacerbated now because uh, earlier this year I built at the top of the garden something for their children. (laughs) Oh, you do it for them, but you didn't do it for us. Well, perhaps I'm trying to make amends. Um... Well, perhaps I've asked for forgiveness and uh, we've overcome that one. But children will pick up on those things when there has been inconsistency, when you promise things and you don't fulfill it. Or when you threaten them in the best possible way. If you do that, then these are the consequences. And that doesn't follow through. Well, then you are sowing seeds of problems later down the line. There must be consistency too between mum and dad. And so the children can't play one off against the other. So that means that husband and wife will need to sit down and and work out how those principles are carried out, particularly if if the mother or the father is away from home a lot of the time. That when they come back, that they will back up the decision that's been made by the other partner. Consistency. The third area I've got is honesty or integrity honesty within the family now there is there there will be times when perhaps because of the lack of understanding in a child when they're growing up that they will not understand everything that's going on in the family but i would encourage you that there is a real sense of openness between all members of the family that you don't have secrets or whispering behind people's backs, particularly when it comes to faith issues. My children know my weaknesses, and um, in a sense, my doubts. I remember on an occasion in their early teens going to church, and they said, Dad, do we have to do this because church is so boring? And I said, yes, I know church is boring. I admitted to them. Not all the time, but perhaps like John Sentamu said a few weeks ago, it's like Brussels sprouts. It will do you good, all right? <laughs> you might not like it at the time, but it will do you good. Um, I've always been very open with my children about some of my doubts and concerns uh, about my faith. I've obviously taught them well and tell them what I do believe and what I'm sure of. But when problems have arisen and I've had questions, and there have been questions within the family, then I've shared that with the rest of the family. And I think it's given them, therefore, a maturer faith. And I haven't had to try and live a double life at home. So, honesty, integrity, particularly in areas to do with faith. Then, involvement. Involvement. And I mean, in this sense particularly involvement as a family in God's service. Do something together to serve God. Now this, for me, has been one of the easier things to do because it's been my job. But my children could never understand at the end of the summer holidays when they went back to school why everybody had had such a boring summer holiday because they had had a fantastic summer holiday on holiday clubs and camps and all the things that their dad had been involved with. And when they used to tell their friends about the things that they had been involved in over the summer holidays, their friends just couldn't believe it. Now, I've got an advantage in that because that's my job, so they came away with me on those occasions. But there will be opportunities in church where you can serve together and where you can have great enjoyment in doing things together. It may be on a beach mission. It may be in activities within the church. Get involved as a family in God's service in some way. Then simplicity. Simplicity. Um, I picked this up from The Telegraph online. Cycle of compulsive consumerism leaves British families' life in crisis, UNICEF study says. British parents are trapping their children in a cycle of compulsive consumerism by showering them with toys and designer labels instead of spending quality time with them, a UN report has found. This uh, came online on the 14th of this month. It's quite an interesting read, Um, but it says, we are probably the most secular society in the world. We do not have the counterbalance of religion But at the same time, we are a very very driven society and very into the process of making money. Um, Some of the best times that we've had as a family have been some of the simplest. Uh, The tendency today that if you haven't been to Disneyland, Orlando or Florida or even Paris with your family, that somehow you have missed out. And that's the way you have fun with your family. You spend a lot of money and you do these big things. Don't succumb to that because some of the most precious times can be the simplest. Don't require a lot of money. Perhaps don't require any money but require a bit of planning and a bit of thinking. I remember learning this myself when, uh, when my children were very young. I spent some time away uh, working alongside a church down in Plymouth. And I stayed with a family, some of you might know them, Stuart and Jenny Dan. And uh, they're the leaders, uh, some of, one of the leaders of uh, the church down there at, um, at Efford now, although it wasn't at Efford when uh, I used to go. And I used to do extended missions down there. And so I was away from home and used to stay with, with the Dans. Now they have, I think it's three, three girls, who were just slightly older than my two. And uh, to see how Stuart in particular um, really did things with his girls, taught me so much. And it wasn't going out. It was just things around the house. And a lot of it was just fighting on the floor, basically. Uh, when he came home, he just had a rough and tumble with his girls. And these were girls, not boys. And they weren't tomboys. They're not tomboys, but me. But I remember just seeing that and, and thinking, they're thoroughly enjoying this. And it didn't cost anything except a bit of time. So it's back to the first point. That I made, but it was the simple things that were the important things. And all these girls are going on so well with the Lord, and it's a lovely family to, to be with. And I remember learning from that and introducing similar things into my own family life. And if you were to ask my girls what, what were some of the best times, the fun times, the most enjoyable times as you look back, well, they might mention the fights because, yes, we still well, we don't still have fights, sorry. I, I've, <laughs> I fight with the grandchildren now. But um, uh, I say, what, what were the, the most fun times? They, they might say those sort of rough and tumble times, but I'm pretty sure I know what they'll say. They'll say, it was the time on a Saturday night when we used to get the mattress down off our bed, the big mattress, and put it in the front room and hire a video. And you can tell how long ago this was because it was a video. And then we would get all the duvets and cushions and we'd get some eats as well, just some nibbles. And uh, we would just spend the whole Saturday evening watching a video and everybody would drop off in their own time. Nobody would go to their own bedrooms. And usually it was mom and daddy who went to sleep first. <laughs> and then the kids would drop off. And then we'll wake up on the Sunday morning and have to clear the house up uh, before all the activities are Sunday. And they were just special times. And that's all it was, just getting everyone, having a sleepover in our own house. Didn't cost anything. But now my kids are doing it with their kids, because they thought, that was great, we just so enjoyed that, simplicity, simplicity. Another word, encouragement, encouragement. This is really a a negative example here, because a friend of mine, excellent musician, um, has made his own albums, sings um, in in the public realm, a great deal, a fantastic musician. Uh, said to me a few years ago now, he said, he said, you know, he said, my dad has never said well done for anything I've done. Has never acknowledged the records I've uh, released and and everything. And it's a real thorn in his flesh, and it's reflected in his own family life, I think. He never had that encouragement from his parents. So let's make sure we don't extinguish any of those sparks that we may see in our children Um, it is so easy if you've got a bit of a sarcastic trait in you to be sarcastic to to children and to put them down and avoid the public put downs as well not only with your children but with each other mothers and fathers as well. Watch how you speak to each other in public because the signals that that sends out to others as well as to your own family as well. And it's not always with what you say, it's with the way you look. I mean, my, my, my kids now say it doesn't work, Dad, but I, I pull my glasses down and look at them like this and they say, no, it doesn't work anymore, Dad. But it used to. Just a look, a certain look, could reduce some of them to tears. Um, encourage them. Encourage them. Then my, my final one is inclusion. Some families can become very exclusive. That they do things together and they only do things together. And when they shut the door, everybody else, obviously, is shut out. So we have family times together. We just do this together. Can I encourage you to broaden your horizons a little bit? Um, some of the best family times that we have had have been when we've invited people into our family. It might be students who've been part of the church or other people on their own. There are, there are two guys, particularly some of you might know them, Mike Houston and, and Gordon Curley, when they used to live in our area and they were just single blokes on their own. We used to have them around for, for Christmas. Now Christmas is the most intense family time and it took Andrew and I a bit to think, well, do we really want other people around at Christmas, we said, yes, we do. So we invited them and others for many years around. And it made Christmas better by having this broader view of the family. And I'm sure it inputted into their lives, just like the Dan's inputted into my family life when they opened their family to me when I went down to Plymouth and gave me ideas and gave me good examples that I implemented into my family. I'm sure this is then impacting on their families as well. So when you think of the family, you probably can name the blood relatives very quickly and say, well, that's our family. Well, don't always be so exclusive. Broaden your horizons and be inclusive and involve others as well. So there we have it, a few principles that I've tried to put into practice which has made our family fun, if not sometimes exasperating. Um, But take them, interpret them into your own experience. You may want to add to them. And can I encourage you midweek when you meet in your groups and and you look perhaps again and review this list. Some of you have got a far broader experience than myself. And you may say, well, what about this? This is a good idea. These are some of the principles that we have put in place. So your family situation, it is unique. So learn from the good examples. Try to avoid um, comparisons, with either The Simpsons or other stereotypes that are, are set up. Do not expect perfection, all right? But be thankful. Be thankful for the family that you have got whatever expression it might take. Let's pray together. Father, the family is something that you have put your mark upon, that when a husband and wife get together and children come from that union, it's something that you bless. So help us to realize that it's something of your creation. And so we come to you and we ask that you'll help us in the various family units that are represented here to honor you and to know that you're the heart of our thinking and every relationship that there is in that family unit. So teach us, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen.